This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Fine to have you on this Monday Drive, where I want to take you back in time. Specifically, eight weeks ago from today. It was Monday, February 28th, the final week of the college basketball season. And North Carolina was unranked. I think they only had one quad one win at that point. It was a win at Virginia Tech. And they were likely out of the tournament unless it could upset Duke and Cameron later that week. At that time, Tar Heel fans hated this team. The pit loss was still fresh. I remember taking calls. Countless people, it felt like, saying, this wasn't Carolina basketball. And some were even making early judgments about Huber as a coach. Fast forward eight weeks, and what do we have? Carolina basketball fans saying next season is national championship or bust because the same guys they could not stand eight weeks ago are now returning for another season. Capped by Caleb Love's decision last night. It's been amazing to follow this over the last two months. So there's no reining in of expectations for next year. That train has already left the station, and they might even be the number one team in the preseason poll. However, I do have real concerns with this roster, and that starts and really ends with replacing Brady Manick. He was an essential player for last year's team. You don't need me to tell you that. He averaged 15 points a game, 40% from three, and nobody else on the team came really close to shooting that from three-point range. There are no more roster spots available to upgrade. North Carolina has already exhausted all 13 of its scholarships, so unless Kerwin Walton or DeMarco Dunn decide last minute they're going to transfer out, which I've been told is unlikely, they're not going to upgrade the roster. It is what it is right now. And they don't have anybody who's a proven option to replace that production. Puff Johnson averaged 10 minutes a game last year, and he's 6'8", not 6'10". He only had a few made threes the entire season. Brady Mannix, one of the most accomplished three-point shooters in the history of Oklahoma basketball. And there's no game-changer, I think, in this recruiting class. They bring in four players none of which are McDonald's All-Americans, none of which are five-star players. And you think that's going to change the tide? That's going to be the difference between North Carolina being a pretty good team and being a national championship contender again? This is the thing that frustrates me about March, and it happens on the positive end and on the negative end too. We put way too much stock in a one-and-done tournament. It's weird. We put all the stock in who's good and who's bad based on what happens in March where you have to win six in a row in order to win a national championship. March isn't always the best measurement for success. There's a reason North Carolina was a number eight seed. They lost the pit. They didn't have a lot of quad one wins. I have always said this. One of my core principles in, a, in evaluating what happens in sports, not just in college hoops, but in all sports. I value the larger sample size over the smaller one. 
I'm more willing to believe what we saw from November through the first week of March, probably a better indicator of what North Carolina is, who these players are, than winning five in a row in the NCAA tournament and leading in the national championship game. That isn't to say they won't be better next year and they won't be a team that can contend for a national title. I think all of that's on the table. But how are you going to replace Manic? And who is the backup point guard to Caleb Love and R.J. Davis now that Anthony Harris isn't going to return and he's in the transfer portal and we don't know what Seth Trimble is. We don't know who many of these recruits coming in are. Front runners, they have to have a different mindset. Some guys respond better when they're doubted than when they're anointed. And there's no doubt this North Carolina team was fueled by a lot of the criticism. I remember when I was sitting in a media room in New Orleans and Armando Baycott was asked a question about saving tweets and hearing the criticism and letting that fuel him. And he looked straight at me and said, well, I know I saved some of your tweets. Like when you said we were going to lose to Virginia. I'm, of course, talking about Armando Baycott. Armando. I remember that. And that certainly helped them. They really thrived off that edge. But a football coach told me a long time ago, and I believe him, that it is... Sometimes for kids, it's better for them to be doubted than to get a pat on the back. Some kids don't respond well to that. North Carolina has not been a front runner, a top 10 program in the last few years. Not during the entire regular season this past year. The year before that, they were unranked going into the tournament. They were an eight seed. And the year before that, they were an under 500 team. So none of these guys really know what it's like to be in this program, to be a Tar Heel and expected to make the Final Four, to be a national championship contender. Frontrunners have to have a different mindset. There's no reining in the expectations, so enjoy the ride. It's going to be an interesting one. That was made official with Caleb Love's decision on social media, as was announced yesterday. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at WSJS Sports if you want him. Will Dalton, Carolina fan, producer of the show today, wearing his Carolina gear, probably bummed out with the way that I'm talking about this right now. But let's go to Dave and Clemens who wants in. Dave, are you with me on pressing pause for now and talking about national championship or bust for this Tar Heel team? What up, Josh? Yes, 100%. And this Carolina team reminds me of a team last year in the same exact position, and that was the UCLA Bruins. And oh. let me explain, Josh. They had... Johnny Goosing, Tiger Campbell, uh, Jaime Jaquez, right? All these what I call tweeners. Guys Barely got into the tournament, players. too. Barely got into the tournament. Yeah, yeah. They got they got into the tournament. They got hot, got close, just like Carolina did this year. And I believe Mick Cronin was a one-year, you know, that was his first year as well, right? So he made an incredible run. And they have all these tweeners. They had all these tweeners. And, and so guys who couldn't really get drafted in the NBA but decided to come back to UCLA. And where were they ranked? Number two to start this year. And who was the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 this year? Arizona. So I think we need to 
pump the brakes just a little bit. Carolina has an exact same story coming back that UCLA did last year. I like that take. I appreciate the call, Dave. It tracks for me. It was Mick Cronin's first NCAA tournament last year, his second season. Remember, we didn't have a tournament in 2020. Lance in High Point, Carolina fan. He wants in as well. Does this all track for you, Lance? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard because of what the setup is for the NCAA tournament, that one loss, you go home. So, you know, that that's always going to be a hard measure, especially when we're doing this 12 months out. Um, but, you know, it's UNC. If they're, you know, a top five, even top ten team, there's going to be those really high expectations. So, you know, is it fair? Eh, probably not, but it's not completely unrealistic either. I think, um, you know, you talk about Brady Manick um, leaving this uh, – uh, not returning to the team, and that is a, a gap to fill. But, you know, I'll point out his points per game is a real advantage. What he did on the defensive end of the floor was probably one of the weaker things we had. No doubt. I'm glad you bring that up. Teams hunted. Teams defense. hunted Brady Manick. That's a good point that's not brought up enough. Uh, good point. I'm glad you bring it up, Lance. You could continue on your point, though. Yeah, and I'll just say for, you know, again, looking at who can replace that, looking at guys that can be more versatile on defense, that can handle a pick and roll, whether they're switching out to the perimeter, sliding down into the post. Um, I'll just throw out, you know, one of those incoming guys who doesn't have a ton of hype right now, Jalen Washington, he he had a knee injury about a year ago. And if it wasn't for that, we would be talking about a five-star McDonald's All-American type guy. Because I think a year and a half ago, he was ranked about 20 in his class. He slid back to 30, 30-ish or something. But if he can get healthy and uh, gain some confidence in his legs and ability on the court, um, watch out late in the in this upcoming season. He might be a big impact either off the bench or maybe at that starting four spot. Yep. Appreciate the call, Lance. Three guys to keep an eye on. Probably have to do so by committee to replace Manic, Puff Johnson, Dontres Styles. if you're going to go small. And as you mentioned, Jalen Washington, who used to be a five-star player, but you mentioned the ACL injury. One more call. John and Winston, what do you have for me? Uh, to all the USC fans that all of a sudden just hopped on the bandwagon and assumed that if they beat Duke, you are all fickle. Uh, I need you to stop this nonsense in terms of it being championship or bust. Please stop. Uh, uh, to be quite frank, our defense was lacking. Um Gave up multiple leads. Uh, we should have won the. We had the NCAA, we had the NCAA championship in the bag after the first half. Couldn't close out the deal. Couldn't make stops down the down the stretch. Um, and as the previous caller iterated, they hunted Brady Manic. Our defense was basically atrocious throughout the majority of the season. Just getting hot down the stretch doesn't necessarily mean that you're going back to the championship. Um, I don't know where this came from. Um, well, you know, know where it came from. You went to the championship. Everybody just saw you do it, and now you're bringing four of the five starters back. It's lazy, but the most recent thing and the thing that's done on the biggest stage is going to be valued the most. That's how it happened. And that's also called being fickle because, as you reiterated in February, uh, I didn't hear anybody on that. I didn't hear anybody hyping up the UNC the UNC. When we were no, after the pit loss, I was getting place. yelled at for being too optimistic, saying that they still could make the tournament. Oh, 
Everybody was out, if you could believe that. Fickle. Yeah, it's Fickle. amazing. Fickle. I, I appreciate the call, John. Fickle, the word of the day. There's your SAT word, everybody. So, understandably, the Carolina Panthers have been keeping their cards close to their vest. Drafts a few days away. That's why the report comes out this morning that Baker Mayfield, trade talks are going to be halted here. Any Baker trade talks would resume after round one of the draft. They want to keep all their options on the table at six, and they want to keep teams guessing where they might be going with that pick. But if offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo had it his way, I think Carolina goes quarterback in round one, and specifically Malik Willis. That's what I took away from him when he was asked about how important experience was to him when he evaluates quarterbacks. You know, I'm a big swing for the fences kind of guy, so just because you're ready doesn't mean you're going to be the best, but ready does factor in some scenarios. You know, experience obviously obviously helps. The more games you play helps. I think your experiences under what type of system you played in may help some guys over others, Or, and I also think maybe experiences in all-star games may help some guys over others. But at the end of the day, you have to pick a player that you're going to be happy with at that position, hopefully for the next decade, and readiness – it plays a part, but it's not everything. I'm a swing for the fences type of guy. Malik Willis is the swing for the fences quarterback. Kenny Pickett isn't. Malik Willis is the one with all the upside and intangibles. He's the better uh, physical makeup quarterback. He's younger. He's got a better personality. And we just heard McAdoo's approach when it comes to quarterbacks. And McAdoo isn't concerned about where Malik Willis played his football, the level of competition at Liberty. McAdoo, a year after he was fired by the Giants, he talked with the New York Post looking at the 2018 draft and said, the best quarterback is Josh Allen. Even though Josh Allen was at Wyoming, had fewer snaps than Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold did and went behind those two quarterbacks ultimately. But he was right about Josh Allen. And the Panthers might want to listen to him, not just because he was right about Allen in that spot, but his number two quarterback in that draft was not Baker or Darnold either. It's Lamar Jackson. I don't know if Carolina will listen. I don't know what level of how loud his voice is in that room versus how David Tepper and... Matt Rule are going to be driving this ship. I, I could see it going either way. But based on that story from 18 and McAdoo saying he's a swing for the fences type of guy, I think that if it was McAdoo's call, the Panthers would be taking Malik Willis. A man is a lunatic. Smells like a gym bag. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. This guy's made the rounds today. A lot going on on his beat because his beat is Duke and Carolina basketball. And it's Brendan Marks, our friend, joining us from The Athletic now. And I want to start with Carolina first, and the time is appreciated, buddy. Is North Carolina's roster completely set? Like, what percentage chance would you give to there being some news of a transfer now that Caleb Love, with him returning, 
North Carolina, as of right now, has all 13 of its scholarships answered for. If, if there is a chance that this roster is not set, then it's a low chance. Uh, last week when I was making calls about Caleb and you know what sort of else to expect, obviously you guys have about another week or so to enter the portal if they want to. The word I heard back consistently was that exit meetings all went well and the rest of the roster, even down to, you know, sort of the 10th, 11th, 12th men were expected to stay. So, you know, I think a lot of folks were looking at potentially someone like a Kerwin Walton dipping his name into the portal. But um, as of now, I'm told that's not the case. We'll see if that changes. Obviously, anything can happen. And uh, I think we've seen some guys get paid via NIL to do so. But as of now, I would expect this to be North Carolina's roster locked and loaded and um, we'll, we'll see if anything changes the next week. You had the reporting, Brendan, that I found very interesting. John Shire contacted Jai Lucas, the Kentucky assistant, which is outside of the Duke family, so to speak. Any chance you think that uh, Shire hires outside of the family? Absolutely. I, I, I would say that it's not just a chance. I mean, I think that there is, you know, probably as good a chance, if not better, that this person is outside of the family than it's somebody in the family. And, you know, I think one of the, the good things that John Shire has done already is obviously most of Duke's 2023 class is locked up. So he can take his time with this hire. He doesn't have to rush it. But if you're looking around at the quote unquote Duke family and who he would potentially bring in, I don't really know that there's a clear fit. I know some people have said Wojo, but uh, this is a guy who's got a really nice place out in Utah. He's getting paid, not the coach. And I'm not so sure what the situation looks like to come back and be the assistant for somebody who. A, you were their coach when they were a player, and B, somebody who at one time was considered a candidate for your job. So I, I don't know that that's a great fit. You know, Capel still has a job. Collins still has a job. Dawkins still has a job. Obviously, we know what happened with Tommy Amaker. Like, I don't know that there's a great in-the-family fit there. So um, obviously, it has been Coach K's preference the last decade and a half or so to only hire Duke guys and specifically captains when possible. I think John Shire is, you know, open to a little more diversity of thought, and I can totally see this being an outside yeah, of family. Yeah, so outside of Lucas, I'm interested in what other names you've heard about. I probably should have asked Spatola about this when he's with us on Friday because that's the type of guy who was an assistant on that 2010 team and has worked at ESPN the last few years. I'd take a look at another off-the-wall name I've thought of is Lavelle Moten, and he's got a house in Durham, and that guy has recruiting ties and USA basketball ties and the whole nine. He definitely does. I, I, you know, Lavelle's also got a pretty good situation in his own right. So yeah. I, I don't know if he would jump to go be an assistant. The thing is, you know, in, in being able to lure Mike Schrage away from Elon, you know, John Shire doesn't necessarily have to go and get someone with quote unquote, like head coaching experience. You know, I think last year with Hubert Davis bringing in Jeff Lebo and this year before, you know, Mike was in the fold. A lot of people looked at John Shire's bench and said, you know, that's great. Emil Jefferson's a good recruiter. Chris Carroll's a good recruiter. They're both good assistant coaches, but like, where was the head coaching experience coming from? I, I don't necessarily know that that is as imperative now since Mike is back in the fold. But um, again, you know, I, I, John Shire told me and a couple of other reporters at the final four that he wanted to get all of these done, you know, within a couple of weeks. And it has been a couple of weeks now, obviously the Nolan Smith news happened, but uh I would expect that this is not going to hold out for too, too awful much longer. Yeah, it's Brendan Marks from The Athletic who's joining us here. If Trevor Keels, let's just assume now, keeps his name in the draft, Duke, another area John Shire might be able to blaze his own path, might be looking for a starter out of the portal. Any shooting guards in the portal you think could fit? 
Yeah, so, you know, for starters, I'm not convinced that Trevor Keels is definitely staying in the draft. I think there's still at least a 50-50 shot that he's back at Duke. But if he does ultimately stay in, you know, if he gets whatever first-round uh, sort of guarantee or, or you know, confidence-boosting feedback that he needs, the one guy that I look at that I think might make sense is Courtney Ramey, uh, you know, from Texas. He's mm. a 3-and-D guy, 37% shooter from three can handle the ball a little bit when he needs to. Obviously, Jeremy Roach is back, but there aren't a ton of awesome, awesome fits right now. He's one that I think is there. Um, outside of that, it gets a little bit tougher to see. Maybe Jameer Young at Charlotte, but like this is, you know, the, the portal is not a place where I think Duke would like to be going and looking for necessarily a starter. The other thing I would say is, you know, I know Duke wants to go and get a veteran big man. Uh, there's still time for guys to like put their name in the portal. So, guys who are not in there yet might ultimately be the answer to these questions. And, um, you know, we've basically got another week to see what the full portal crop will look like. Last thing for Brendan Marks here. So this is one of the things I love about Sports Talk Radio. We can be expansive in a way that you can't really be on television and break things down and have all the context and all the different angles covered. And then we could also dabble into nonsense. The draft is a few days away. So every day this week, we've got mock drafts that we need to get done, but this today's mock draft is going to be with it being music festival season. We're going to be doing a music festival uh, mock draft in about 10 minutes where we have to figure out headliners for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't know how big of a music guy you are, but if there's one act Brendan Marks could see anywhere, I'm going to go alive. Like, let's not get morbid here and say, back in the 60s, I'd go to Woodstock and see Hendrix. Uh, who would you go see, Brendan Marks? Who's at the top of your list? Yeah, I actually, my fiance and I play this game all the time, and it's like me secretly trying to figure out what like early birthday presents I can buy her. Um, I've actually only ever been to one music festival before. It was a country music festival in college. It would not be a country artist. I think the number one guy I still want to go see that I've not seen live would be Drake. Okay. I think it would just be so much fun. I think it, it would be like a big drunken sing-along. I was at Billy Joel in Charlotte over the weekend, and that's basically what this is. But Drake would be that, like, times a thousand. So I, that's that's my choice. He'd be a great headliner. I know a lot of people have already seen him, but he's the guy I most want to see and haven't done yeah, so. Yeah, that might affect my big board a little bit. Okay, Brendan's opinion. Brendan, appreciate the time. Great work over the weekend. Know you're making the rounds. Really do appreciate you making the time for us. Absolutely, sir. I'll sure I'll talk to you soon. No doubt. There he goes. Brendan Marks joining us here. And how about this? Just when I thought I was out. They dragged me back in. Robert Walsh is leaving for Nashville tomorrow. See, you're off the show. You, you're The sabbatical, it's not a sabbatical. You're not coming back for good. You're leaving for Nashville tomorrow. You're, getting, you're going back and forth and such. You're back in the studio. Is this the first time that you've actually been on the show in this studio? In the studio with you, yes. I have never been on this side of the glass before. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? It's uh, it's a little weird. I can't even really see Will Dalton that much, but uh, it is good to see you guys. Uh, I have to keep my draft prep extra secretive over here. I don't want you guys stealing any of my acts. Okay. I've been researching this all day. I think I've got a plan. I don't know if you guys do. I really I do. hope you don't. I have a great plan. So I can get some steals in here. That's all I'm really concerned with. Let me ask you this while I got you because I know how closely you follow the draft. There is – I've been told – because I have a lot of connections at NC State, that Iki Aquanu, it's been communicated to him that Doug Peterson wants him. That is Doug Peterson's guy. 
And then there's a report from Daniel Jeremiah, the App State guy, been on the show many times, NFL Network analyst, that says Trent Baalke, his number one is Trayvon Walker, who is now the odds-on favorite in every Vegas book to be the number one pick, and Iki Aquanu is Doug Peterson's guy. What wins out? What do you make of number one? Uh, and then it also came out that Shad Khan wants Aiden Hutchinson. So it's a it's a three-man pull over who gets what they want. That's unbelievable. Uh, the way I look at this is Trent Baalke is probably on the last rung of his ladder yeah. as the Jaguars general manager. So if you're a guy that wants to rest on your laurels and you trust your own pick, then I would go with your pick, which would be Trayvon Walker. But if you want to save your job – I'm probably going to go with who the owner wants. Uh, and the what makes sense about them leaking this is it's been very apparent that there's been a lot more teams that want to trade back than trade up. So this tells me that the Jags, hey, if you're at two or four or five or hell, even eight, you could trade up to one. Like the guy that I want would be there at four or two or five. Like I, I could take any of these guys. Uh, so it makes sense that they're kind of putting this out there as a feeler like, we really don't have to pick at one if you don't want us to. Uh, that being said, I, I'm i going to lean that he would want to keep his job, so I'm still firmly entrenched that Hutchinson is going to be the first pick. I hope it's so dumb. Like, you know, Shaq Khan wants Aiden Hutchinson, and Trent Baalke wants Trayvon Walker, <laughs> and the coach wants Doug Peterson. You know, how about we just compromise and go with the DN? <laughs> Let's go and Jameson we'll go. That's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, actually, this is great. Julian in Winston-Salem has a trade proposal for Robert Walsh. Okay. Julian, what do you have for us? So, thanks for taking my call. Knowing that Josh is uh, very on top of the Panthers and knowing that Robert is a Ravens fan, I'm thinking that they line up well because there might be a difference maker available at six that isn't there at 14, whether it's Kyle Hamilton or one of those tackles or even Thibodeau. So since they have an extra third and five fourth-round picks, Mm. I'm sending the sixth overall pick plus 242 overall, that seventh-round pick, because Baltimore only has one pick after the fourth round. And Carolina's going to get 14. They're going to get the second-round 45th overall pick and pick 119. So they picked up a couple picks between 6 and 136, 137 Sorry, that they wouldn't have. And it comes out to 1606 and 1601.2 in terms of the points on the Jimmy Johnson scale. Carolina getting a little bit better of a deal, but – you know, Who's the prize, though? Who's the prize? Are you saying it's Hamilton that's the prize for the Ravens? Oof. It could be Hamilton. It could be either Cross or maybe the tackle out of NC State that wouldn't fall to 14 okay. um, if, if Baltimore wants to beef up their offensive line. I got you, but, Julian. Let's, Robert, what do you think? Thanks for the call, by the way, Julian. Uh, that's a lot for the Ravens to give up, especially knowing that a lot of teams want to move back. And the Panthers not, would do that in a heartbeat. A, a, a heartbeat. You're getting a first and a second round pick that you don't have. Charles my, Cross might be there at 14. My counter proposal would be six, and maybe they send us a higher pick than 242. Uh, and the Ravens would give up the 14th overall. I believe they own 73, which is the first of their two third-rounders, and then I'd throw them a fourth-rounder. So the Panthers would essentially couple in this trade back of eight spots. They would get another third-round pick, and they would get another fourth-round pick. I like Uh, it. I I think that's more than fair, and you're probably getting close to the same player. Is there a guy that you would want at six? Uh, If I'm trading up— You're a Ravens fan. You're rooting for it. This is a minimal— 
uh, value loss for the Ravens, in my opinion. They've got the assets, so giving up a third and a fourth to move up that many spots, uh, it would have to be for one of two players that I think could realistically be there. Uh, Thibodeau, if the attitude concerns are real and he really does fall, I think that's a guy that the Ravens take to the bank 10 times out of 10. You look at Terrell Suggs coming out of Arizona State. He had a bad combine. He had attitude issues, and he ended up being a pro bowler and in the top uh, 10 in sacks in NFL history. The other one is the Notre Dame safety. I love him so much. I love him so, so, so much. Would you kiss him on the mouth? I would kiss him on the mouth. And I would even draft him after trading up, even though they are set at safety. They have Chuck Clark. They just signed Marcus Williams. I would still trade up for that cat. Would you let your mom kiss him on the mouth? Am I kissing him first, or is my mom kissing him first? If I, if I get to go first, then my mom can kiss him. I'm not kissing him after my mom does. Understood. That's, that's good logic. So, Robertson Studio here, obviously. And it being music festival season, we'll kick off draft week by conducting our music festival draft, Dax. Weird. Weird. A little weird. I know it's weird. Just go with it. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Music festival season. Coachella and the time where you pull up those summer festivals and you're having to zoom in like 150, 160% to see who some of the acts early on in some of these festivals are. So I thought with it being draft week, let's have some fun. Let's do a music festival draft. Robert Walsh officially leaving the state of North Carolina tomorrow. So I invited him back in not to do any emotional farewell stuff. We've already knocked all that stuff out. Instead, we're going to do a music festival draft, and this is how it's going to work. We're looking for the headliners. Coachella, for example, has their Friday night headliner, their Saturday night headliner, their Sunday headliner. That's what we're looking to do here. You need to pick a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday night headliner. And at the end, we'll figure out, hey, what show does most people, most people listening, want to attend? Which festival would they choose? Will Dalton's, Robert Walsh's, or Josh Graham's? Everybody clear on this? Robert, do a quick randomizer. Who's going to go first, second, and third? And it's going to be a snake-style draft. And we'll get things kicked off here. Robert, what is the draft order? All right, so I guess I am one. Josh, are you two or three? I'm two. Okay, Will is three. It gave them to me in the same order. So okay. Josh is looking at it, so that's the order. I hate the second pick. Yeah, it, I would much rather have. And this is Snake, right? So snake I, draft. So I'm going to have to wait four picks until my next pick comes around. But you have the number one pick. And you wanna you if you want to tell us already where you're slotting this person into your festival or this act into this into your festival you can let us know your thinking you have the first pick robert and the pick is in uh i am going to rolling loud in july and this man is the first headliner for that weekend he is my number one want to see artist in the entire world uh and i think it's pretty easy the dude does a bang up job and if you have his full catalog I don't think he can miss. I'm going Kanye West on Friday night. <laughs> I don't 
number one on my big board. He, I mean, he has to be, right? Like, he would have too many associated acts that would make him incredible. A large catalog. He can play the old stuff. He can play the new stuff. He could drop a completely new song. He, he, anything is on the table with that guy, uh, and that's why I'm going Kanye at number one. I hate this <laughs> because I'm not a big Drake guy, but I know Will's going to pick Drake with one of the next two picks. You don't know I don't. who I'm going to pick. <laughs> I know exactly what your big is board the, looks like. Is the pick in, Josh? <sighs> I can guarantee you Josh's last pick is going to be Taylor Swift because uh -oh. he knows neither The pick's you in. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and take Outcast. Ah. That's with my good. first pick, and that's going to be my headliner on Sunday, Outcast, my first pick. I don't know if Josh knows who I'm going to pick. He, I think he thinks he does. You're going to pick Drake with one of these next two. I know. Don't, Will is going to select with his let, Robert, Robert, let do you think Drake you know who I'm going to pick? Me. Let Drake get back to me and see what happens. Well, he has two back-to-back -back That's picks. what I'm saying. Uh, I think Will's pick is going to be that band from the Star Wars no, 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 Cantina no, no. that plays Ooh. the <laughs> You know what? Hey. I think that's who Will's I, pick's going to be. That, tomorrow, we're going to do Star Wars yeah, characters, basketball. Right. We're going to draft a we're basketball gonna... team of Star Wars characters. That's what we're going to do tomorrow. All right. My... You think I'm joking. I'm not. No, he ain't joking. My pick is in. I have the envelope. The imaginary envelope. Uh... I'm going to have, for my Sunday headliner, Dua Lipa. Wow! And that is going to be a heck of a show. She was wow. on my big board. Uh-huh. I she's have nine on my big board. She was number nine. Wow. Yep. She's been on tour lately, and she has been crushing it. And I want her to finish it up on Sunday to open. She is one of the biggest acts on planet Earth right now. You have another pick. So your Sunday is already set. What's the rest of your weekend going to look like? You get one more pick later on, but back-to-back, -back, what do you have? You know what? Friday night, we need something to really kick us off strong, and everybody loves a good Drake opener, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> do it like a book. Do a leap of, well, listen, I didn't think about it, but Dua Lipa was always going to be number one, and Friday opener has to be Drake. I mean, that's a powerhouse. Mm. Come on. Okay. So Drake is opening up. Yep. Dua Lipa's closing you out. Yep. I'm up next. And rather than doing the most predictable thing, actually, you know what? I'm going to do the most predictable thing. Taylor Swift is my second pick. Uh, he's not going to let me steal her. No. <laughs> I guess I would have done well it. Just done. It was between rock. Taylor Swift and Harry Styles. I'm going to go Swift, wow. even though Harry Styles, man, he's crushing it right now. Do you see the Shania Twain performance at Coachella? Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. Everything that guy touches is gold, but Taylor Swift just bangers for a decade on end. And I'm a, I'm an outage Swifty. I'm fine with it. Give me the full 10-minute version of All Too Well. I'm there for it. Taylor Swift's going to open my weekend on Friday night. Outcast going to close it on Sunday. Robert, your last two picks. Oh, man. So it's me back-to-back -back here. Oh, wow. Okay. So, for Saturday... I take it Kanye's closing the weekend. Oh, no, Kanye's opening us up, wow. man. He's Friday. He's coming in. He's getting out. He's going to do his thing. And I feel like the Saturdays... I'm doing these in chronological order. Okay. I feel like Saturdays at three-day festivals are kind of like the lull day, where you want somebody chill. You don't want to go too hard. 
And if you know me, you know that my musical tastes vary. So I'm going to go a country artist here. And this really went down to the wire. If I was going to go and grab one living country artist, who was it going to be? Uh, it came down to two names, but I think I'm going to have to go George Strait here. Wow. On Saturday. How about that? You just bought tickets to Robert's Festival on Friday night. We're watching Black Skinheads and Kanye. On Saturday, we're getting Oceanfront Property by George Strait. It's unbelievable. How are you capping this weekend? I don't know what you're going to do. We got Kanye on Friday, George Strait on Saturday. What is Sunday at Robert's Festival? And on my way here, I was set on having Billy Joel in my three-day concert. But you know what? I think I'm going to have a barn burner the last day. It's going to be the reimagining of a group that has recently split up. Uh, on Sunday, we're going to have Daft Punk. Whoa! Ooh. Some EDM! I'm like, I might go to Robert's concert Dude, and, and skip we're mine. we're going to rip the bleeping we're knob gonna off. We're going to get weird. Yeah, these festivals can get weird at times. So that's Robert Strap. Man. I, I already told you what the bookends are. So I'm opening up with the, one of the hottest acts today in Taylor Swift and closing things up with just the OGs talking about Outcast in the middle. You want some chill? You want something that's a little weird? Music festivals are weird. I'm going to go with a classic festival band, Radiohead. Killer. Ooh, great, yeah. great pick. Great pick. Great value. In round three, Radiohead. Yeah. Just a lot of upside you get there. I had Foo Fighters like a that. hair above them, but, you know, I'll take a Radiohead any day. It was Radiohead, The Killers, and Linkin Park. I also had Coldplay written down, but I wasn't going to let my biases <laughs> get affected. I'm not going to go all Michael Jordan and only draft Carolina guys. It's your concert. You know, do what you want It is do. my concert, but Radiohead's the pick. Will, your last pick. So, you got... Dua Lipa closing things out. Yep. Drake's open you up, opening wow. you up. That's an interesting strategy. Saturday, who's performing? So I'm torn with three different performers here. That cantina band's really messing uh, them up, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars draft's gonna be in. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Well, you guys who's your fun. Who's I your mean, point guard? Oh. Don't. Yeah. I try, I'm not gonna reveal my big board at all. Yep. We we gotta wait on that one. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to, okay, so you guys are kind of having a little bit of a, a more laid back Saturday. Yeah. I'm going to go to the opposite and I'm going to, I'm just going to keep this thing electric from start to finish. Push the envelope. We're pushing it. We're going Bruno Mars on Uh, Saturday. Hold one second. Clarifying question. Are we going Bruno or are we going Sonic or Silk Sonic? We're going Bruno. Well, Bruno is just. in a group with Anderson Pack uh-huh. called Silk Sonic. No, no, I, I want okay, just I Bruno. want Bruno because I want I want the classics I'm and with it. you know what I was torn between Bruno Mars, Harry Styles, and The Weeknd. Uh, the Weeknd would have been great too. Dot that, said Bruno Mars was one of the best shows that he ever went yeah, to. Yeah, I really yeah. want to see Bruno. He's great. So yeah, we're we're electric from start to God, finish. You do have con- a great concert, but I do think you made a mistake though. Uh-huh. Like Silk Sonic, if you can get him, just get him. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, why do you leave uh, Anderson Pack? So you- there you go. That's our draft. Robert's concert, opening up with Kanye. Saturday it's George Strait. Sunday it's Daft Punk. My concert opens with Taylor Swift. Saturday it's Radiohead. Sunday it's Outcast. 
and Will's concert opens with Drake, followed by Bruno Mars, and Dua Lipa closes things out. Whose concert would you prefer to go to? 336-777-1600. This has been the Music Festival Draft. How about it? It was really hard for me to leave Alan Jackson out. That's who it was down to, George Strait and Alan Jackson, because I'm going to go for the country you classics. you got to go King George. Uh, that's how I felt about it. I thought, it. If, as soon as you said country, I thought it was going to be Garth. Nah, and I actually saw Garth uh, last weekend, and he was incredible, and he's got a lot of bangers. But like, I if I'm going to start with Kanye and then immediately flip the script to country, it's got to be a guy who everybody knows all of his songs. Hmm. So you leave for Nashville tomorrow. I do. Exciting stuff, man. You talk like a crazy person. You have sexually transmitted crazy mouth. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Brian Geisinger, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. At times you could be long-winded, but I'm okay with the long-windedness because all the information you've given us is grade-A information. I'm going to ask you not to be very long-winded today because there's a lot to get to with you, including something you just put up in the last hour talking about the newest Wake Forest Demon Deacon. We know how good Steve Forbes was in the portal last year. Tell us about Jao Ituka, who is a guard from Maris. Tell us what Wake Forest is getting here. Yeah, I'll be brief, mostly out of default here. Uh, this is a, per- a player that I did not see a whole bunch of this year. Freshman of the year uh, in his conference, though, an explosive per minute score. And I think the thing that stands out to me just going through the numbers, though, you know, you lose a guy like Alonis Williams to the draft. Alonis Williams did a lot of great things for Wake Forest this season. One of the big things, Josh, which you and I spoke about frequently was his ability to pressure the rim. And that looks like something Ituka can add as well. Uh, top five nationally in usage rate and fouls drawn per 40 minutes, 7.4 fouls drawn per 40. This is a guy who over 63% of his shots this year came basically right around the basket. So that's a lot uh, to say the least. So looks like a guy that can handle the ball and give Wake Forest someone that can bend defenses and tack out of the pick and roll. Brian Geisiger on Twitter at bguys underscore bird. So North Carolina doesn't have any scholarships left to go into the portal. How concerned are you, even though they get four of the five starters back, how concerned are you about the Tar Heels' ability to replace the one member of the Iron Five they're losing, Brady Manick? Uh, low, low concern right now. If in, if only because just like the vibes are so good and they got so many guys back. Like, I think the offense is going to be good no matter what. I think if you play Armando Baycott with RJ Davis and some Caleb Love three point explosion and Hubert Davis as the one scheming Armando. things up. A little delayed, but it works. It works nonetheless. Uh, I saw someone else using that cut on Twitter recently, like after (laughs) Baycott. I can't remember who it was, but I saw someone. Yeah, it's it's catching on. All the kids are saying it these days. But, um, (laughs) you know, look, they'll miss Manic a lot to an extent because his with his height, his movement shooting, his ability to screen and, and then pop out or flare out, slip out. 
was a big part of UNC's offense. The high-low game between he and Baycott was important. Um, I think there are some options on the roster for UNC to fill in the need. I mean, they're going to have to be, right, uh, even with the, the incoming recruiting class. But, they're, you know, they're not bringing in someone in the portal like that this season. So, Puff Johnson will get his chances. Dontre Styles. I think there's some reasons to be bullish. But, look, like, there aren't many guys like Brady Manick in college basketball. Six, nine, six, ten guys that shoot like that from every level. Like, they're hard to find. Um, I am hopeful – uh, as I've written about a little bit already, and we'll write about more, is the reemergence of Kerwin Walton. Like, can UNC get to some small ball lineups and then use Walton's shooting, albeit not at, you know, a stretch four position, but can you play Leaky Black at the four and play three-guard lineups with R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Kerwin Walton, and then use Walton's gravity, assuming the shot comes back online next season, um, use that as things sort of like grease the wheels offensively. So there's some solutions and some tools they have um, and reasons to be bullish. Transitioning back to the NBA, and we're going to play out precise to Geis in a bit, the Hornets on Friday fired James Borrego. Is there a coach that you like a lot as a fit to replace JB? First off, just quick salute to James Brago. I think he's a very good coach, uh, and I think he's a good basketball mind, and he'll land on his fleet, his feet quickly uh, in some capacity as an assistant or, or maybe down the line again as a head coach. I think he did a, a really good job with the Hornets and um, was just maybe a victim of, of his own circumstances there, but salute to him. Did a really nice job in Charlotte for four years. Kenny Atkinson is a name that jumps out to me as a guy that raised the profile of Brooklyn Nets pre Steve Nash getting uh, put in placed in there by Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, but a guy that got like the unsung Nets of a couple of years ago out of the mud and into the playoffs. Now an assistant coach with Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Frank Vogel, if he is looking to get right back into coaching, uh, is a guy that could certainly is a veteran presence, can come in, help install a defense, and just you know, like good generally speaking pretty good x and o mind Can maybe you not the of, most creative of sorts but he's a he's a name another name that i would highlight but i don't you know he may want to take some time off like the last couple of years have been crazy for him with the lakers if he decides to come to charlotte can you think of a better incoming resume for a charlotte hornets coach than somebody that has an nba championship to boot and also in a smaller market built a contender I, I don't think people appreciate how good those Indiana teams were probably LeBron's greatest foe when he was in Miami those four years yeah like is I mean he would be a slam dunk hire uh I mean he won a title less than two years ago like the bubble wasn't that long ago you know um in this season the Lakers collapse I think had very little to do with Frank Vogel and had more to do with injuries in a roster that was uh, wrangled together in rather irresponsible fashion by the the front office but no it's a guy that knows how to install and coach defense and um and yeah I think you know that that would help a team that part of it is personnel for sure and that's something that Charlotte may have to address this offseason but there's also mentality that if you watch this team you know they're sort of like lacking on that side of the court so what Steve Clifford did a decade ago as a guy that can create a floor and and, and construct a defense that's maybe something that Frank Vogel uh, could do here in Charlotte. So those are two big names. There are other ones to mention, but those are the two that are at the top of the list for me right now. Brian Geisiger with us here from ACCSports.com. We'll get to out precise the Geis in a bit. Who are you most worried about in a best of three out West, Memphis or Phoenix? 
I'm, I'm worried about Phoenix right now. I mean, I have since Booker's injury and um, all of the concerns I had for the Suns, I think we've seen play out since then. Uh, I mean, it's just been, you know, two full games. Including Jose Alvarado playing Chris yeah. Paul games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But just like the inability, you know, Phoenix is not a big rim pressure team, but Booker without him, they're really lacking in terms of ways to create rim pressure. You know, it's really only, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Ayton in the pick and roll as like a pressure point or JaVel McGee in the role as a pressure point. Um, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, as great as he is, like he doesn't have the, the burst to turn the corner and get to the rim and has it for some time now. Um, and without his heroics at the end of games, uh, I guess games one and games three now in this series, I mean, who knows where they would be. Brandon Ingram's playing like a star for the Pelicans. CJ McCollum has been awesome. All of the young wing perimeter defenders they're throwing at Chris Paul, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Trey, uh, Trey Murphy, the third, uh, a lot of a lot of state of North Carolina reps on this roster, oh. which is pretty cool, including Devontae Graham from Raleigh. So yeah. we'd love to see it, but uh, we like it less when it's the thing that's pushing Chris Paul to possibly a first round exit in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm on high alert for them. Um, Memphis, the offense, yes, very concerning. John Morant, I don't think he's quite other than game two, has not been like at his best in this series. Um, but I feel I'm a little bit shaky with Phoenix right now just because they're missing an all NBA guard in Devin Booker right now. And like, how do you just replace that on the fly when, especially when you're missing threes like this, while we're talking NBA, let's get into out precise the games. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out-precise the Geis. All right, Will Dalton, what do you got for us today? Speaking of Jose Alvarado, obviously Georgia Tech guy, won a title for the Jackets. So here in his first year, becoming an irritant, kind of like the Chris the Chris Paul stuff that we just spoke about, how many times, I'm curious if either one of you know, how many times has he dropped double-digit points this year? Regular season. Oh, wow. Shout-out to Jose Alvarado, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. Went from a two-way contract to a multi-year deal with the Pelicans. He earned that. Um, I'm going to go with... 10 games of 10 plus points for uh, the former Yellow Jacket. I had 11 written down. The correct answer is 12. Let's go! Highest was 23 against the Spurs. All right. Damn. I haven't won all this right. in forever, but Been a minute. I've all, many times I've gotten the first one right. Yeah, don't get too and excited. BG <laughs> just does what BG does. He's a machine. What's next? We're not used to having these type of conversations around Kevin Durant, but he has obviously been struggling of late here in these playoffs against Boston. So the question is, from the time of KD's kind of coming out party with the Baby Thunder back when they played the Heat in the finals to now, what is the lowest amount that KD has ever scored in a playoff game? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So there's no qualifiers here minimum attempts anything like that yeah okay okay um ooh. 
I feel like, uh, you know what? I'm going to repeat my dude, the same number for my last guys. I'm going to say 10 here with for Durant. I've got seven written down. I'm trying to remember when he tore his Achilles. Did he, did he hit two threes to open things up or did he hit three? What is the answer to the question, Will? The correct answer is 10 points <laughs> in game four. Of the 2017 first round the against right the Trailblazers. Oh, no, no. Okay, yeah. first round. Yeah, first round. Never mind. Different game. Right year. Different. I hate this yeah. game. Yeah. We know. He's going to get it right on the nose. Right. You Get ready for this last one. It's I, just, I already know well, how this is going to end. Get ready. I don't, I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm, I, you were right on top of the first one, yeah. so I don't know. All right. We'll see. Well, a big reason that KD has been struggling in these playoffs is oh. because the guy on the other side of the ball – Jason Jason Tatum has been putting a lock on it. Okay. So Tatum really emerging even more than we already thought he could as a superstar this playoff series. How many 40-plus point games has Tatum had this season in the regular season? 40 or higher. How many? Man, that dude is so good. Um, I will say... I'll say six. I've got five. Wow. Who got it on the nose? Five is the correct answer. Yeah! His (laughs) highest was 54, ironically enough, against Brooklyn right before he... And then he went and dropped 44 at Charlotte. Fun fact. Man. Okay. So I finally won this damned game. Look at you. I feel so happy. BG, I wanted to ask you this on the way out before we let you go. So we did, it's draft week, and tomorrow, because Will is a uh, Star Wars super fan, we're going to draft a basketball team of Star Wars characters and see who can put together the best starting five. I don't know which character will make for a good point guard. I I do feel pretty good about some of the aliens that could play big. Maybe if you want to go stretch four, give Jar Jar a look, but... Music festival draft is what we did today. And here are, I'm not going to attach names to it. So you feel obligated to give preferential treatment to anybody, but here are the three concert series or the three festivals that were put together. Three headliners for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One of us three, Robert Walsh was in on this earlier today before leaving to Nashville. He leaves tomorrow. One of us had, Taylor Swift on Friday, Radiohead Saturday, Outcast on Sunday. Another had Drake Friday, Bruno Mars Saturday, Dua Lipa for Sunday. And The Last of Us had Kanye West Friday, George Strait Saturday, Daft Punk Sunday. Oh, wow. Which music wow. festival are you going to? Well, uh, for me, I mean, all those would be fun, and I would feel bad about missing the. Uh, the truly the once in a lifetime opportunity of seeing Daft Punk live. Yeah. I don't even think they're a band still, but no. I'd have to go see uh, the first one. Um, get really sad at radio, like have fun at Taylor Swift, get really sad at Radiohead and then see Outcast, my favorite band of all time uh, as the closer on Sunday. So yeah. that's the one I'm picking. That's that's uh that was mine. So yeah, there you go. It's all coming up. Josh Graham, I, this segment. 
I don't want to go with you if that makes you because I'm salty about the loss that I just had. But you know, we can we can do the thing where we pretend like we're gonna meet up, but then we don't meet up. All yeah, right? that's what we're gonna do. Okay. BG BG is <laughs> like Brandon Ingram last night looking at Chris Paul saying, and oh I God. guess this guy, yeah, you know, you want to take this outside. The Kinston, North Carolina came out of a yeah. BI. Yep, it happens every now and then. BG, you're the best man. Thanks for doing it. You guys be good. Take it easy. Yeah.